Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,496. Because there's really, without honesty, I mean, there's really nothing. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I am revved up and so excited to share with you today very special guest, Mike Piera. He's calling in from beautiful Bethel, Connecticut. Mike Piera is a racer whose favorite mark is Porsche. Ah, mine too. Since 1998, he has participated in numerous events over the years in Porsche Club, America Club Racing, Historic Racing, Autocross, Grand Am GT3 Cup, SCCA Regionals, Vintage Trans Am, and many others. Mike has driven early 911s, 911 RS cars, 997 Carrera GT3 Cup cars, but his passion isn't only with that German mark. He also has a 1952 Crosley Hotshot, a 74 Europa, an 01 Viper GTS, an 08 GT3 Cup Grand Am car, a 16 Audi S3, and a Touareg. He hauls all these things to the track with. In addition to cars, Mike is a lifelong electronics and sound fanatic who also deals in vintage guitars and amps, thus his nickname, The Analog Man. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with The Analog Man, if my tongue can work analogly here. And first, a few words from our sponsors here at Cars Yeah that make this show possible. We'll be right back. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you a Cars Yeah subscriber? If you're not, go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send you my free filler-up book. It's a very cool book I created of fuel filler fun, some very cool imagery, and great quotes from past guests here on Cars Yeah. Plus, you'll get my weekly email follow-up and my weekly blog. Just go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send it to you right away. Thanks for subscribing. Hey, Mike, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am ready. All right, we'll have a little bit of fun here. And you'll be happy to know I'm sitting here hanging on my wall as a Fender Stratocaster and a Washburn acoustic guitar my wife bought me 35 years ago when we were married. So I like to strum through a few chords. I don't know if I'm as good as you are. I'll have to, you maybe you can inspire me to pick up the axe. Once in a while, a little more often, and have some fun. All here. about having fun. Nobody can play as good as 
you know, the greats and, uh, but we can enjoy it as much as, as much as we want. It's just a lot of fun. Absolutely. So before we get started, tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself. You love guitars, but you also like to get on the track and have fun. Yeah, I'm definitely a gearhead. I'm, uh, about 59. Um, I've actually been competing in Porsches for 40 years. Yeah, believe it or not. Um, I've been doing my analog man guitar effects business full time for 20 years. Also been playing tennis pretty, pretty competitively since the mid seventies and playing in bands since then, um, a lot lately. And, uh, I was originally a software engineer, but then I got tired of the digital things and having to relearn software all the time. So I went back to my analog roots and started, uh, started doing analog electronics and I'm still doing it. There you go. Thus the analog man. I think that's great. So before I ask you some questions here, what's maybe one little thing that most people don't know about you? <laughs> I have a lot of followers on different social medias and I've been on the internet since before the internet when it was just email lists and Usenet. So uh-huh. actually people know a lot more about me than I do. It's funny. <laughs> I'll Someone will ask me a question on one of my forums and I won't know the answer and someone else will, even if it's a personal question, which is pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, that's a sign of age maybe. I don't know. I do the same thing with people I've interviewed so many sometimes go, well, have you ever had Mike Pierre on the show? And I'm like, you have to wait for a second go, oh, that's right. Yeah, I did have Mike on the show. Yeah, right. it's, uh, it's, yeah. it gets harder the older you get. Yeah, but I don't know. People know about everything, but um, some people know about this, but it's kind of funny. Biggest regret in my life sometimes people ask, and I think that was, I was about 20 years ago. I went down to Lenny Kravitz's house in New York. I brought him some vintage electronic um guitar effects pedals and my biggest regret was he had the biggest joint i have still ever seen and i had to say no to sharing it with him because i had to drive back (laughs) now that's a unique a unique regret for sure that's hilarious (laughs) yeah oh my gosh yeah that's one of those stories that you could tell everybody in the future and as things have relaxed a little bit for that uh that herb uh things have gotten a little more (laughs) relaxed for that i think that's pretty funny story yeah, that would have been a good one. Well, who knows? Maybe you could have stayed and jammed with him a little bit. Yeah, next time. Take him up next time. Well, as we continue on your journey, I want you to share a success quote or mantra, some kind of saying that has meaning in your life. It's a nice way to get the uh, the guitar tunes rolling and rocking here on Cars. Yeah, so Mike, grab the wheel. I think one thing I've, I've, I've heard all through my life and tried to do is the idea of doing one thing and doing it better than anyone else. Um, Jack of all trades is is kind of a nice thing, but um, Jack of all trades is never going to be super successful. So I tried to just go to the guitar effects pedals, the analog ones, and uh, just do those vintage circuits and do them better than anyone else using all the original parts and just making them sound really great. And um, between that and trying to trying to do everything honestly, unfortunately, in our society, honesty has taken a back seat, but ho- hopefully it'll come back again. And because um, there's really, without honesty, I mean, there's really nothing. Yeah, and especially when you're selling things. And, you know, for someone like you, whether it's old vintage parts or guitar parts or wah-wah pedals, I remember those back from my oh, high yeah. school days. Yeah. People buy things and you get them and you're disappointed. And I've sold a lot of stuff on eBay and every once in a while someone will say, well, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be. And for me, it's usually older used stuff or things I don't want anymore. And 
Sure. I always think, you know what, it's, I'm not an eBay business, and but, you know, do the right thing. And I always say, well, you know what? Yeah. You can send it back. I'll give you your money back. Or better yet, I'll send your money back and you can just keep it. How does that sound? <laughs> and, you know, it's it's amazing the reaction you get to that because people never hear that from anyone. Right. And, you know, they right. kind of go, what? Well, no, I didn't want it for free. You know, they're good. I go, well, I, I want you to be happy. And they'll say, well, how about if I just, you know, you maybe you send me back 10 bucks or something as part of it. And, and you end up finding out what people are really like. Some people do take advantage of you. I've been ripped off sure. on eBay with people who say they oh, yeah. never got my vintage steering wheel. And I know they did, but, uh, you know, you just have to be careful, but that's the best way to go through life for sure. You know, for us trying to keep, trying to keep customers and make them multi time customers and have them come back and back again, it's more important to do that kind of thing. So like if we send someone the wrong size shirt, um, we're not going to ask them to send it back. We just sent them. So okay, just keep it. We'll send yeah. you the right one. Yeah. And that makes everyone happy. Well, you know, I worked in the car care business and the direct mail business for 20 plus years. And of the many things that I did while I was helping build that brand, we had a call center. This was back before computers and buying online. So people would call in and so forth. And I would have a, a call center there and I would we- meet with them weekly to talk about how we're treating people and what's going on, what are customers saying. And I remember having some folks there that you know, every once in a while you get a customer who's mad, he's angry about something, who knows. And I always say, you only have to do three things. with people. First, listen to them. Just listen to what they have to say. Second, ask them what you would like, what they would like you to do. And then third, just do it. And I remember some of the people that worked for me that had worked in other call centers, they said, you mean I can help them any way I think is right? I'm like, yes, of course. Because you know what? Even if we lose something on that sale, I want them back. I want them to be a lifelong customer. So that's all you have to do. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't do that these days. No, that's uh, for sure. Yeah, if you can even talk to anybody at a business these days. That's, that's another, for sure. Another thing. <laughs> well, let's talk about a little bit more about business. I would love for you to share what has you excited. And let's start with the racing because this is Cars Yeah, but we can certainly talk about your business as well. But let's start with this. I mean, you've been racing for 40 years. This is incredible. Uh, I raced vintage cars for 12 years and uh, finally had to retire because uh, my kids wanted to go to these expensive colleges. Um, I guess that worked Tell out. Me they, about it. they got good jobs and they haven't called home for money since. So I guess that was a good investment. But talk about your racing because this is pretty cool because you're not a professional racer, but you are out there competing and having fun. And kudos to you for that. I like to compete with professionals every now and then. I know they're going to beat me, but if I can at least hang with them a little bit, that proves that I'm, you know, I, I still have it. So every now and then I like to, you know, enter a professional race and and uh, and see how I can do. But I'm really a DIY guy from the cars, you know, all the way to making the the pedals and everything in my life. Really, I because in order to have something that's the best, you really have to do it yourself because nobody else will put, take the care in things that you can do yourself because you have the time or hopefully you have the time and and you care about things more than someone who you're paying to do like for example i put together my first car 911s a 72 that i took out to drove it out to kansas several times for the SCCA national championship i totally set it up myself i even did the alignment myself all the suspension work, everything. And I was lucky to win my first national championship I went to out in Kansas. Oh my gosh. Um, nobody, knew, nobody knew who I was. Yeah, who is that it was, guy? It was kind <laughs> of a shock. 
but that was that was fun. And then I went back. Uh, it's really hard to, the second time. It's always hard the second time. So it took me four or five more tries to to win it the second time. But finally, I did. And still, you know, doing the car myself. But I also had to kind of retire a little when I had a daughter and had to you know, spend more time with the family. But then when my daughter got older, then I picked up the um, 73 Carrera RS replica, which I'm still racing. I oh, picked that up nice. in like uh, 98 uh-huh. and built it up little by little. It was it was a serious like driver's ed car, but it wasn't a, an actual competition car. It didn't have a full roll cage. I had a, a really good shot put the roll cage in, but myself little by little changed every part of the car but the chassis to make it more of a hardcore race car but still be able to run in in vintage with vintage specifications and the, like the Porsche club has a has what they call a stock class where you have to keep things like the engine and transmission and basic basic weights and everything so i have a very a car that you can run in almost any venue from autocrossing i've drag raced it Uh, I haven't done road (laughs) rallies yet, but with a tweak, I can raise it six inches with a tweak, put some big tires on it. I could do stage rallies with it if I wanted, which maybe I'll do someday. And of course, I've done a lot of road races. I've headed up to Montremblant in Canada, all the way down to um, Sebring in Florida um, for road racing. So it's it's gone all around the country and it's, it's been a great car. Oh, sounds like fun. And you're tugging on my heartstrings. I had a 72S for a long time. Drove, oh, that, wow. drove that car a lot, and uh, my kids learned how to drive stick shift on that car. I mean, this is back uh, as the, and then of course the values started going crazy on those things, and I found myself driving yeah. it less and less because because of that. But back before it was worth a whole ton of money, it was just a fun car, and I really loved right. it. I drive it to work and enjoy it, and because it, it reminded me of my youth, you know, seventies. I mean, back when I was in yeah. junior high and high school, and I saw friends whose dads had those cars, and always wanted them. But you're having some fun, and Tell our listeners a little bit about your your analog business, your guitar and, and pedal and amp business. Yeah, so I I build the guitar pedals, which are like fuzz boxes, and you know, like, like people know wah wah pedals, but other ones are just square boxes with a switch on, and they change your sound, distortion, chorus sounds, uh, delays. We make a really good delay that does the echoes and things like that. Um, and we have a little shop here; it's a couple thousand square feet. I've got several employees i have um my sister is shop manager so i don't have to deal with customers that much and um, she she takes a lot of my email workload and we build a lot of pedals right here in this shop for everyone from aerosmith to zz top to wow to to joe blow um you know our average customer is probably someone like me or you who's just plays for fun and they want to have the best gear and they want to sound like they're they're heroes and uh, that's what we do. We have, and we're very custom. Uh, most companies like mine will just build product, put them on the shelf, and ship them. But we don't build the product until we get an order because we have options. Like we've got several thousand different versions of our our Sunface Fuzz you can order with all the different options we we uh, provide. So you basically can order anything you want, and we'll build it to your specification. And usually, it doesn't take that long, from a few days to a few weeks. Now, what's the name of your business website? The business is Analog Man. My my nickname is actually Analog Mike, and I, my company is Analog Man. There you go. That's wonderful. You know, it's fun. Guitars and hot rods all go together. Of course, you think ZZ Top when you go that. But a lot of my guests who've been on this show, that especially that are of my era, baby boomers and so forth, that remember back in those days and love to play the guitar and so forth, 
Um, it's kind of cool. And that vintage air is kind of like with watches, same thing. Uh, and, and, e- and even old uh, firearms. Uh, my neighbor's really into old English shotguns. Uh, they're so beautiful the way they're built and designed. And he's he's got me out there doing trap shooting and stuff, which is really fun. And uh gets a little competitive, of course. But uh, that's very cool. Analog man. I love, I love your name, too. That's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> Try to keep it fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about a big uh, a big challenge that perhaps you faced in your life, or maybe in your racing, maybe even a big failure you came across. I want you to kind of take us there, walk us down that path, but tell us what the learning lesson was, the positive side that came out of that situation. So kind of take us on a journey, would you? Uh, well, my biggest challenge, which I'm still dealing with and probably will forever, but um one reason I had to stop racing a few weeks ago or a few years ago is um, my wife came down with head and neck cancer, throat cancer, um, probably about eight years ago or so. And, you know, I had to take care of her for, for a few years, but I could still do all of my work and I could still race a little bit. But then the last few years, it got really bad and I had to take care of her in 2019, uh, actually 2018, pretty much all year. I didn't didn't have a lot of time to to do any work on my cars or a lot of work at work, you know, taking her to the New York city hospitals all the time. And, and, you know, I, n- I never thought I could handle that kind of thing because I'm kind of squeamish. I don't mind putting my hands in the ca- inside of a carburetor, but you know, the human body, I've always been a little squeamish in those hospitals, but I just realized you know, I, ha- I had, she needed me and I had to, I had to take care of her. I had to do everything I could do. And, um, I, I think I really succeeded. I did, a, I did a good job. Um, took all the time off needed, spent all the time with her. Um, she passed away about this time last year. Oh my goodness. And, um, I'm so sorry. Keeping things going from, from that time and, you know, getting back to work. It's, it's really difficult, but, you know, I had to come out of it and think of the positives. It's like, there's nothing else I could, I can ever do in my life that's as, rewarding or important as you know helping somebody to trying to save their save their lives and i i think i think i did a good job and her family families in japan which also made it tough but they came over and visited a few times and uh you know I, i think i succeeded and i have to just look at that positively and think if i can get through that I can get through anything. Nothing's going to stop me now. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, my sincere condolences. My goodness. I, Thank you. Yeah. I. I and she to... actually worked here at my at my company too. She built. Oh wow. She built a, a large range of our products with her own hands. You know, Japanese oh have are really good at detail work, and even though she had no basic and basis in electronics i could show her how to do something and she would do it right a million times. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, <laughs> and especially. Yeah, what a special person to have in your life. And, um, you know, I, I was feeling for you because when, when I was starting this podcast five and a half years ago, my wife was going through a serious medical situation. She was had a, a large surgery. She was bedridden for months. Um, I had to care for her, carry her to the bathroom, bathe her, cook. I mean, everything switched from her being an at-home mom raising our kids. And our kids were already growing up and gone. Our son was in college, but our daughter had grown up and, and moved. And, and yeah, that that situation of caring for somebody and dealing with health issues um man uh if that isn't a test on both sides because uh I don't know about your wife mine was is very independent person and the idea that she had to ask for help all the time i mean it drove her crazy and uh you know i remember 
we had a little system set up. I was out here developing my podcast and she would, you know, buzz me on the phone with a text. I have to use the restroom. Am I bothering you? And like, no, you know, I mean, just, just ask. Um, yeah, everything changes, but I felt the same way you, you did, Mike. I, it was like, I felt it was an honor to be able to reverse those roles for her going to the mom and the wife and the spouse and helping with the family things to now I was doing all that. She didn't like me doing the laundry because I tend to screw it up. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but I did it, you know, and, uh, but, uh, man, I, I can't imagine going through what you went through. It was so much more serious thing. My, my wife recovered and has been fine to this day. Um, but that's great. My, uh, my hat and heart is off to you for, for going through that. And, uh, no doubt, you know, in an odd way, it probably brought you guys even closer together. Uh, yeah, it totally did. I mean, and we were, we were lucky that, you know, she had several, you know, episodes where she was fine for a while. So, we traveled. We traveled as much as we could. We went to tennis matches all over the world, from from England to the ATP Finals to um, California. There's a big Paribas tournament out there. We went down to Miami tournament a couple times, and we really enjoyed it. And uh, before then, when she was even better, she could travel. Um, we did a lot of like cruises on mega yachts around Europe and stuff, which was so much fun. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, and I, this is probably going to be a little bit cliche. The lesson learned from that experience that you went through, I would assume, is life is precious. Do the things now yeah, that you're holding exactly. off to do later because you just don't know if exactly. there is going to be a later. No, you don't know. You've got to do things. If someone gives you an opportunity to do something, and I've always thought that, you know, decades ago if someone asked me to do something and if i could i would try to do it because you never know what you're missing out on if you don't do right. it yeah and the things that will occur from the result yeah. of that adventure but especially exactly. especially with the loved ones so i appreciate you sharing such a, a personal story with us and again my sincere condolences for sure. you and your family and her family for the loss let's talk cars again a little bit here and i'd love for you to share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. You and I share a passion for the Porsche mark. That's been my mark of choice my whole life. Uh, tell me about a pivotal moment when you knew that you were going to be a Porsche guy for life. Yeah, well, there, there's two two parts to that. Number one, I, I think I realized about a year ago or so that, and I just, I think I think everybody's like this, but ever since I was younger than I can even remember, I always have been interested in things that are loud and also maybe <laughs> fast, like there's a show called Fast and Loud, but that's kind of the story of my yeah. life. My favorite thing when I was a toddler was the the, the lawnmower man because the lawnmower sounded so cool <laughs> to me. I just thought it was great. Yeah, that's funny. It was loud. It smoked. And you know, when I used to go to the stock car races when I was little, they had a, a small stock car circuit in Danbury, the Danbury Race Arena, and that was ridiculously loud. And that was just that just blew my head off. And then when I started seeing bands play when I was in middle school and how loud they were, that just Knock me off. And of course, cars. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first time I went up to Lime Rock, um, probably was in college and I went, some of my friends were flagging up there and I wanted to go, to go do that. And the first time I crossed the bridge over the track and a car screamed down below oh, me yeah. at a hundred miles an hour with open exhaust, I still feel the, the hairs on the back of my neck going up. Yeah. I just think everybody's like that, but obviously they're not or else. People just are are too lazy to go after the things that interest them. But yeah. I mean, I mean, what is what's cooler than that? 
<laughs> oh, I know. I've done that Laguna Seca, you know, walking over the bridge and the cars come by up the hill there at the start finish and you just go, whoa. And I'll tell you, my wife's never been into cars and racing much, but the first time I took her, I took her to a uh, Lamar, or not Lamar, a uh, LMP race in Del Mar. And all of a sudden she loved racing. It was like, she said, well, this is nothing like watching on TV. I mean, you can feel it in your bones when those cars go by. So yeah, you got to get out and experience it. Same with a drag race. I mean, you go to a drag race and you just go, oh my gosh, it's it sucks the air out of your lungs. So, But the great thing about, about road racing and, and Lime Rock and most of the tracks we have in this country is, you know, it, it's a park. It's Lime Rock Park. It's beautiful. You, you don't sit in a bleacher. You don't eat, you know, cold hot dogs. You walk around the track. There's There are all these different places you can stand and watch or sit and watch, bring your, you know, bring your knapsack and and have have some nice food but it's just it's so much fun and um you know there are people there that go up for the big races and don't even watch the races they just bring their campers up there drink beer and just have a big party so they just love it <laughs> hang out hang out it's a way to go well let's take a short break and thank our sponsors and we'll be right back my favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYA and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah. And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at com. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. All right, we're back here, Mike, and I want to ask you about your first really special vehicle. Could be a race car, could be a street car. That first 
car that you got in your life that you went, man, I've wanted this forever and now I've got it? What was it? Yeah, well, that, that's an interesting question. Because um, even before I went to college, I was into cars. Here in, in Southern Connecticut, I was so lucky to grow up in a time where this was before the internet and we had a local newspaper called the bargain news where you could buy and sell, you know, cars and parts and things. And I would grab that as soon as it came out and you wouldn't believe the cars that you could find here in the mid seventies for, for, for nothing. I mean, I Lamborghini, Espadas, <laughs> oh, I mean, you, you just, you just couldn't believe the thing. So I would always go around, you know, I was 16 years old. I didn't really have any money, but I'm going to look at cars that, you know, for 500 bucks, you could buy some pretty cool cars, oh, yeah. British sports cars. You, know, you could get 356s back then, but I, I didn't, I thought, oh, those are slow. Who'd want a 356? <laughs> Even for a thousand bucks, I didn't want yeah. one. They're slow. But, um, my first car was a, was a Triumph GT6 and, uh, it was two, 275 bucks and it basically ran. And after that, I got a, a really Nice, powerful Mark Donahue Javelin with a 390 in it. Oh, the uh, Javelin. that cool. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I took that up to college. And then when I actually, my, my first visit, I went to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute up in beautiful Troy, New York. And my first visit to the college to check it out, they were actually having an autocross on one of the lots. And I saw that and I was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. People are taking their Corvettes and Mustangs and stuff, and I want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to school here. So this is cool. That was one reason I chose that school. They had a really <laughs> good. They had a sports car club, and they had an auto shop too, where we could work on our cars. Oh, no kidding! And That's neat. So many mechanical engineers. Everyone there is an engineer, and yeah. even the ones who were electrical engineers still had good mechanical aptitude. And I learned so much about working on cars up there. And um, the fastest car in our club was a Porsche 914, and he was killing my javelin. So I said, well, I got to get one of those. So the next next summer, I came home, I'm, and I'm perusing the bargain news. And sure enough, a 914 is in there pretty cheap. I think it was 1100 bucks. Went to look at it. Yeah, it was rusty, but boy, it ran great. And with a little work, I got it fixed up, painted it up, and competed with that for several years. But that that was still not that great of a car. But then finally, I graduated from college. And lived with my folks, and I saved all my money until I could afford a 911, and I got that 72 911 a year out of college. It was eight, like $8,500. Oh, yeah. Now it's like 20 times that. Yeah. Um, yeah and I worked on it myself and kept that until I was stupid enough to sell it before the prices went sky high. But that was my, my real first special car was that 911 because I had so much history with that car and uh, two national championships and lots of track time and just enjoyed it so much. Yeah, no kidding. I did as well. Well, uh, I want to get in your head a little bit here, Mike, and ask you this question. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifested as a car, not what you (laughs) want to be, but how you perceive yourself as a vehicle, what would Mike be and why? I can't think of any other car that is more me than that, you know, an early 70s 911S, really, because I consider myself very reliable, which those are. I mean, you could just change the oil, put gas in those, and drive them across country. Even, you know, 20, 30-year-old 911, they're just amazingly reliable. They're, they're, they're light. They're efficient. You know, they're, they're fast. <laughs> they're high performance. And uh, they do everything kind of the way I do it without making a fuss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like it. Without being too fussy, you know? Yeah. You just... They just do their thing, and I, I try to be like that. Nicely said, Mike. Nicely said. 
Well, we're entering what I call the last lap. This is a place you've been many times. The white flag is out. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that 911S throttle. So here we go. Will you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes throughout your life? I think um, basically working hard, but in, in particular, I try to keep lists and I try to get things done on the list. Um, if something doesn't get done for a while, you have to kind of consider, does it really need to be done and strike it from the list? But I do keep a lot of lists. And um, also, I try to, I haven't been able to this week because I've been just so busy, but I try to always get to emails within a day. And I get, I've gotten well into the hundreds of emails a day and I still try to get them done. And I don't know how I've done it all these years, but I think that's important to communicate with people. You know what? You just do it. I had a great guest in the show. Don Barry is the CEO of Edelbrock and Mm. he has what's called a sundown rule. And that is return all emails before sundown. Uh, no matter what. And I, I think it's just a courtesy thing. And even if you just have a one, you know, something like, I'll get back to you. Uh, at right. least people know you care because I'm sending out lots of emails all the time to try to find guests and things. And sometimes I don't hear from people for weeks and you kind of go, well, they must have never seen it. And then they'll go, oh, got your email. And I'm like, well, that was like three months ago. <laughs> really? Taking you that long <laughs> to answer? But I get it. People are busy, you know, uh, but I try to do the same thing. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal? With anyone in the automotive or racing industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Probably one of my all-time heroes and uh, the namesake of that javelin I had. Probably Mark Donahue because he he did kind of he had a very short life, but he kind of did everything from racing sports cars that he built himself. He was a fantastic engineer. He he was just a genius as far as engineering cars and. Being being such a good driver, he knew what happened to the car when you made this adjustment. He was just, if I ever had to hire a driver, he would be the one. And also one question I would like to ask him is, he ran the first IROC series, which was the International Race of Champions, which they did in 74, 911 Carreras. He originally, when, when they were, he thought they would be a great car for the race because they're reliable and everything. But um, when someone asked about it, he said that they were kind of, pieces of junk and i would like to ask him why did he say that yeah what do you mean by that because i think just the opposite (laughs) i know and you think about the the porsche race cars he went on to win in i mean yeah Yeah. i mean he he drove one of the fastest cars in history the 930 12 i believe which he he had a a closed circuit record i think in talladega I don't know, 250 miles an hour or something. Oh, yeah. Incredible. He was just he, incredible. He drove the stuff. most amazing cars. One of the uh, Can-Am cars he raced, the famous blue car, um, uh, was right. at Bruce Canopy shop, and they had that car there, and I got to sit in it. And it was just like, wow. oh, man, this is like, can't imagine the speeds. And Bruce was telling me, and Bruce is a very good Porsche racer himself. Of oh, course. yeah. He was saying, can you imagine? I mean, this guy was going around the track lap after lap, way over 200 miles an hour in this thing, just and there's no protection around you. I mean, you're no. just wide open. Uh, yeah. Mark Donahue. And people very... don't realize how tiny those cars are. Right. You yeah, see the pictures of them, them and it looks like it, it makes a, it makes a 914 look huge. <laughs> well, like that might be a stretch, a Mike, but, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they are pretty incredible cars. And again, uh, it just really a talented uh, fellow. We lost him way too soon. What's the best automotive advice or racing advice someone's ever given you? One advice that's 
that's uh, still going around, which is really true, is probably it's better to buy than to build a race car because <laughs> yes. building them just it <laughs> it's always an endless twice as much time, of cash. <laughs> twice as much money. Yeah. Even if you even if you buy something that you, like mine, you know, it was it wasn't a race car when I bought it, but it had a lot of nice things done. I mean, it was gorgeous. I mean, it could almost have been a show car, which is kind of a shame I raced it. But, um, you know, it was, a, it was a great start, and I was able to put it on the track the next day and slowly build it up. So, um, if, whereas if I had bought the stock 911 and had to go through all that, oh, I'd probably still be fixing it up. Right, exactly. You know, it's it's really wise advice. I've heard this from many, many collectors, is you buy the best you can afford that's already been done. Uh, you can play off the other guy's money that he threw at a car. Uh, because yeah, they can be holes in the water like bolts where you just throw money after them. That's for sure. Especially race cars. I remember those days. Yeah. Uh, how about a great resource that you think our listeners would enjoy that you go to quite often? Well, for the cars, um, for Porsches, I like the Renlist forum, uh, Renlist.org, I believe. They've always been good. Uh, there's ra- a racing section. There's sub forums for all the different models. And of course, the um, social media, there's a lot of good good pages on Facebook and things nowadays that the internet is, is kind of being taken over by social media, which is kind of weird. But um, like also for the guitar effects is a page called the gear page. I think it's the gear page.net. And that has got a lot of smart people on it to help people out. But again, that's being taken over by various pages on Facebook, which unfortunately are, have a lot of lies and things on them. There's no moderators. So yeah, yeah. It can get a little little crazy on there. <laughs> yep, caveat emptor when it comes to social media. How about a book? Is there a book you've read that you'd like to share? I am so busy. I have no time to read. I I try to read the newspaper in the, in the morning. I I do, but you know that's about the, all the time I have to read. So well, I you know we got we got to get you some uh, audio books. So at least when you're busy working on your car, yeah. you can listen. Uh, my my wife is a big advocate of that and. I'll say it again, and some of my regular listeners say, Mark, you've told us this before, but the library, the public libraries are an incredible resource, and they will give you for free audiobooks to listen to. It'll come right to your tablet, your Kindle. My wife gets them every week, listens to a new book every week, absolutely free. The public libraries are an incredible resource that I think is often overlooked by many, many people, so check it out. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, Mike, a place you've seen many times. This last question, though, it could be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a very cool collector vintage car, vintage race car, something kind of fun. You're welcome. But there's some rules since I'm writing the check. I get to make the rules. One is you have to drive it. No garage queens. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other race cars. I always drive. I wouldn't have the car I wouldn't drive. (laughs) Okay. Well, that'll be easy. Uh, You can't sell it to buy a bunch of racing parts uh, for your car. You've got to keep this one. But here's the kicker. It's the only vintage car, collectible fun car you can have. So you, you got to choose wisely. What can I buy you? Well, some sort of Porsche would be the obvious answer. But <laughs> since I've you know, I've kind of had what I consider the ultimate 911, and the new cars are nice, but I can't, I can't fix them. They're too digital for me, and they're not as much fun. So it would have to be something vintage, something really interesting. And to me, I don't think anything could could trump a Lancia Stratos as being a really interesting, unique car that I could probably work on myself and do anything I want with it. Wow. You went down a whole other path. I never thought we'd end up with a Lancia. (laughs) 
That's pretty I'm cool. I'm into Lancia's. I think Lancia yeah. is, a, is a really cool car company. Yeah. Um, one of the next cars I might want to get would be their um, Fulvia, the little horse oh, yes. coupe. Uh-huh. Beautiful um, little boy, car. I, I, if the Stratos, if you could buy a Stratos, what they went for 10 or 20 years ago, I would grab one today. Yeah. They're just so unique. I mean, you could road rally them. You could take them to the racetrack. You can take them to the to the store, which would be a little weird because I don't think there's any place to store anything bigger than like a lunchbox in there. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. So cool. All right. Well, I'll get to work on that for you. That'd be cool. Mike, <laughs> you take me on a fun ride. I knew this would be a fast and fun ride around the track with a guy like you. Before I let you go, though, could you offer maybe one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off in the sunset in that Lancia Stratos? Um, I think kind of talked about it before but like like i like i mentioned i like to try to do like a pro race every now and then when i can although i haven't had a chance this last few years because of taking care of my wife but you know like i entered my first big pro race the alms race at lime rock i get to run against all the prototype cars and everything in my gt3 cup with a co-driver from south africa Jan von Molka, and um we actually ended up winning the race. Nobody knew who I was again. The announcers <laughs> at the end of the race were like, we don't know how this happened, but we don't know who this guy just, is. Just won the race. And we have no idea who his co-driver is. <laughs> That's funny. Well, he'll be playing in the, the band this evening uh, after the race. So uh, you can go up yeah. and ask him, who are you, Mr. Analog man? Well, so that's the tremendous. word of advice <laughs> in getting back to that is if you have an opportunity, like, you know, the racers group who won Le Mans, they won Daytona and overall in Daytona that he called me up and he said, Mike, you know, we got a ride at Lime Rock. It's going to cost two fortunes, two left legs and your kidney, but do you want to do it? And I'm like, yes, I want to do it. And I did it and I won it and no one can ever take that away from me. So if you have an opportunity and you can do it, take it. There you go. That from the analog man, take that advice and run with it. Take it to the bank. I'll remind you that you can find uh, websites for Mike on the Cars yeah website. Uh, just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Mike Piera, P-I-E-R-A. Now you know who the winner of that race was, Mike Piera. Uh, you can find him on his racing website at AnalogMan.com slash 911. You can also find his shopping website by AnalogMan.com. Hey, Mike, this has been really fun. Thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your life with us. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much. It was fun. You're welcome. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners. This is Mark Green. If you love the Cars Yeah podcast, I have something new for you. I've teamed up with Keith Martin, a collector car market expert and the editor of Sports Car Market Magazine to create the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast. Buy, Sell, Hold is the essence of collecting. Together, we take you on an educational ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so you know when to buy, sell, hold. We talk with seasoned experts, who buy, sell, and hold investment vehicles, and they'll share their insider secrets on how they make their buying decisions when it comes to making these important investments. You'll find the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast on the Cars yeah! website, on the Sports Car Market website, and if you're a podcast app subscriber to Cars yeah! Buy, Sell, Hold will come right to your mobile device, just like the Cars yeah! podcast, automatically. Join Keith Martin and me on a great new venture on the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. 
Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!